Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, only you can steal. My soul is thirsty, Lord. Lord, my soul thirsts again once, once again for you. My soul thirsts to know you. My soul thirsts to love you. My soul thirsts, Lord, to want to fellowship with you. Lord, my soul thirsts to know you. I thank you for a brand new day. Thank you for brand new messages this morning. Thank you for this grace to be able to come into your presence. Thank you for this grace to be able to call you Father. My soul tests for you. Jesus, I say thank you this morning for making me a child of God. Jesus, I say thank you this morning for shedding your blood for me. My soul thirsts for you, Father. At this morning, I declare, receive all the glory. Receive all the praise. As we come into your presence, Lord, we worship you in the beauty of holiness, in the splendor of your love. We worship you just for who you are. This morning, we worship you. Lord, be glorified. As we study in your presence once again, Lord, we ask this morning that you will speak to our hearts. We ask, Lord, that you will help someone glean lessons in your word. Let someone be blessed today, or let your name alone be glorified. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. All right. So good morning, good afternoon to you, good evening. Whatever time it is you are listening to our devotion today, I am Murphy Eye Nike sharing devotion with you. All right, welcome. We continue our reading of the book of Second Samuel. Uh, remember, we left off yesterday on chapter 9, where we saw David show you know, unusual kindness to Mephibosheth. Yes, unusual kindness to Mephibosheth. Today, we'll take two chapters, chapters 10 and 11. Chapters 10 and 11. In chapter 10, we'll see David's, uh, David's uh, continued fight, you know, against uh, the Ammonites. And then we'll see one mistake made here. You know, we'll see the same mistake later, you know, with, with the son of Solomon. Okay, uh, but we'll see when a father, you know, passes on and the son has to take over, we see the, the immediate danger that it creates for most people then that took over from, from their parents. Okay, so I'm sure you will remember this king, the king of Moab, who had, you know, helped take David's parents in, you know, when Saul was chasing David about. Yes, this is the king, actually. King Naash. Anon passing on his son Anon, Anon takes over and we will see his grave, his grave mistake. You know, yes, uh, David will deal, will deal with him. His father had been David's friend, 
you know, but he makes a mistake. Uh, maybe we should say, maybe not necessarily David's friend. His father was also Saul's enemy, okay? So as they say, <laughs> the enemy of my friend. How do they put it now? The enemy of my friend is my enemy, okay? So, uh, and that's why David and uh, this man were friends. But he had helped David, okay? And there was no reason why David would have any problem okay with uh with his son and then in chapters in chapter 11 we will see the first big grave mistake that david would make i'm sure you would have heard about the story of david and Bathsheba. yes uh, we'll read about that account in chapters 11 so please open your bibles let's read together second samuel chapter 10 so sometime sometime after this king Naash of the Ammonites died and his son Anon became king. David said, I am going to show loyalty to Anon just as his father Nahash was always loyal to me. So David sent ambassadors to express sympathy to Anon about his father's death. But when David's ambassadors arrived in the land of Ammon, the Ammonite commanders uh, said to Anon, their master, do you really think these men are coming here to honor your father? No, David has sent them to spy out the city so they can come in and conquer it. So Anon seized David's ambassadors and shaved off half of each man's beard. <laughs> that would have been funny. Uh, he said, cut off their robes at the buttocks and send them back to David in shame. So, I don't know what the problem was with Anon, but I, I know that uh, he was unwise. And then those he had surrounded himself with, okay, um, I'm sure they most likely had a death wish. Everyone knew that David was, you know, conquering right, left, and center. And so to provoke David this way was simply asking for a death wish. But the lesson to learn here is to be careful those you surround yourself with. The same thing will happen to, to Solomon's son, where he will ignore, you know, the advisors who had advised his father Solomon, and then would choose to take counsel from young men who grew up like him. And we know the story of how that led led to the splitting of the of, of the nation of Israel, okay, into two. Okay, so the same thing happened to Anon here. Listening to these commanders, you know, it does something very foolish in trying to shame shame David. Verse 5 says, when David heard what had happened, he sent messengers to tell the men, stay at Jericho until your beards grow out and then come back. For they felt deep shame because of their appearance. And I would anyway, anyone would have felt, felt so humiliated. Verse 6 is when the people of Ammon realized how seriously they had angered David, they sent and hired 20,000 Aramean foot soldiers you know, from the land of beth Reob and Zobah, 1,000 from the, from the king of Meekah, and 12,000 from the land of Tob. So in my head, this battle is happening alongside, you know, the battle we read with Adadeza that uh, I think that was in, in chapter chapter 8. Yes, yes, we read about that yesterday. Okay, these battles 
actually most likely happened alongside one another. So it says 1,000 from the king of Mehika and 12,000 from the land of Tob. When David heard about this, he sent Joab and all his warriors to fight them. The Ammonite troops uh, came out and drew up their battle lines at the entrance of the city gates, while the Aramean from Zobah and Reob and the men from Tob and Mehaka positioned themselves in position themselves to fight in the open fields. I, I, so I don't know about this Arameans, you know, but they just seem to be for hire and, you know, the highest bidder. Just drop your money, we'll provide you with 20,000 men. When Joab saw that he would have to fight on both the front and the rear, he chose some of Israel's elite troops and placed them under his personal command to fight the Arameans in the fields. Okay, so battle strategy right he left the rest of the army under the command of his brother abishai who was to attack the ammonites so that this was why i said joab was such a powerful guy you know i'm telling you he was literally equal to 600 men he could take out 600 men on his own so he just took the elite troops just a few men okay and then attacked an entire army Okay, giving the advantage to his brother Abishai, you know, to be able to command, you know, the remaining army to overcome, you know, the other opposition, you know, coming from the other side. And I'm telling you, fantastic strategy. It also tells you the kind of person that Joab was. He was willing to take risk, you know, put himself at a disadvantage even, you know, and... um, is in my opinion someone david you know should respect and of course david respected you know he says um fight the Arameans in the field they left the rest of the army under the command of his brother abishal who was to attack the ammonites verse 11 says if the Arameans are too strong for me then come over and help me joab told his brothers and if the Ammonites are too strong for you, I will come and help you. Be courageous. Let us fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God. May the Lord's will be done. Verse 13. When Joab and his troops attacked, the Arameans uh, began to run away. So really, they started running from Joab first. Eh? Just the elite troop and Joab alone you know, could take Remember, there were 20,000 20, Arameans, so, okay? And I'm not sure David's elite troops were maybe not up to maybe 600, maybe. But these 600 men, I'm telling you, were powerful. This Bible says that the Arameans began to run away. And when the Ammonites saw the Arameans running, they ran from Abishai and retreated into the city. After the battle was over, uh, Joab returned to Jerusalem. The Aramean now realized that they were no match for Israel. So when they regrouped, uh, they were joined by additional Aramean troops summoned by Adadezer. So that's why I said, you know, the battle in chapter chapter 8 and this battle, you know, almost happened concurrently, you know, uh, together. He said they were joined by the additional Aramean troops summoned by Adadezer from the other side of the Euphrates River. These troops arrived at Elam uh, under the command of Shobak, uh, the commander of Adadezer's forces. When David heard what was happening, he mobilized all Israel, crossed the Jordan River, and led the army to Elam. 
the Aramean positioned themselves in battle formation and fought against David. But again, the Arameans fled from the Israelites. At this time, David's forces killed 700 charters and 40,000 foot soldiers, including Shobak, the commander of their, of their army. When all the kings allied with Adadezer saw that uh, they had been defeated by Israel. They, surround, they surrendered to Israel and became their subjects. After that, the Arameans were afraid to help the Ammonites. So, wow, quite quite outstanding, you know, military strategy. Uh, David was a master at this, but of course, we know that uh, his mastery, his success came from him always learning to draw help from God. He just always knew what to do. But you see, with success will come uh, temptation. With success will come opportunity to fall. Of course, as you succeed, you, you want to relax a bit. And this is what would then happen, happen to David, you know, from chapter 11. David will make a grave mistake. It looks as if it is one mistake, you know, but it was so grave that God was unwilling, was unwilling to allow him, you know, get away with what, what he had done. I don't know about you, but when I look at David, I'm surprised the extent to which God goes for him. Yes, I'm surprised to the extent David probably did, I'm sorry, in my opinion, sometimes did more evil things than Saul. Saul's major problem was just that he was just incompetent and was just unable to trust God. Beyond that, he didn't try to take anybody's wife. He didn't even kill anybody, you know, kill them and take their wife, you know, sleep with another person's husband, uh, another person's wife, even, you know. This was the kind of person that David was. But still, the Bible says he had, God had found a man after his own heart. Beyond that, read the Psalms. Uh, you will see the way David talked to God. Okay, uh, there was just this special relationship between uh, him and God. And so I learned from that, and I think we can learn from that. God is not just looking for people who are perfect, you know. He's looking for people who are willing to fellowship with him. There is nothing you are going to do that will surprise God. Because the way some people behave, they think that there is one action that will happen and God will be shocked. You know, God has seen your life from beginning to the end. Okay, um, when things happen like this, be like David and learn from this story. Okay, so let's let's go. Let's go. Maybe the first thing to learn is not to commit the act, right? All right, chapter 11 says, In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. So the first mistake here was that David stayed behind when everybody had gone out to war. Okay, so this was still really the same fight. You know, the fight was with the Ammonites who was quite was quite prolonged, you know, until okay, the children of Israel eventually under David, you know, were able to put these people uh, totally under. So verse 2 says, late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking her bath. Okay, so noticing was not a problem. Okay, so 
walking away, not walking away, uh, it was the problem. And then looking again and then taking action after that was the problem. And that was led David to this mistake. Verse 3 says, he sent someone to find out who she was. And he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Okay, so Uriah. So let me talk about let me talk about Uriah. No, let me not talk about Uriah yet. You know, so he noticed the first thing he finds out she's married. Okay, she's married. She's taken. So that should have just cut David off. Okay, whatever passion he was feeling, that should have been the end. She's she's somebody's she's somebody's wife. But whatever, for whatever reason, you know, David just disregards all of that, you know, and commits a great sin. Verse 4 says, then David sent messengers to get her. And when he came, when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rite after having a menstrual period. Then she returned home. And later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I am I'm pregnant. Then David sent words, word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. So Joab sent him to David. So now let me talk about Uriah. So Uriah was not, of course, calling him the Hittite already told you that, look, he was not from the tribe of Israel. Okay, the Hittites were part of those who were in the land before the children of Israel came. But we know that some of them stayed back, all right? Some of them, the children of Israel could not overcome some people, okay? So most likely the Hittites were some of those that they could not overcome and then they became a part of the children of Israel. Some of them, even like we are noticing now, served in the army. But beyond that, Uriah was named among the, you know, the the 30. So David had uh, different, you know, you had the most powerful, like I said, Joab was powerful. Beyond Joab, you had these three guys, you know, that could, I'm telling you, could do anything. Uh, very powerful guys. And after the three, you know, you had other bands. You had the band of 10. And then you had the band of 30 special warriors, powerful guys. You know, Uriah was one of them. That was how vital and important to David Uriah was. Uriah, I'm sure, would have been among the elite troops, you know, that went with, with Joab, you know, when they had to take on the Arameans on one side. I'm telling you. You know, but David says, you know, send, send him to me. I'm sure Joab must have been wondering what's going on. Okay, so Joab sent him to David. When Uriah arrived, David asked him how Joab and the army were getting along and how the war was progressing. Then he told Uriah, go on home and relax david even sent a gift to uriah after he had left the palace so david had not just committed the sin of loss david had not just committed the sin of adultery david was now trying to cover up his his sin okay and then telling a lie with it he says okay go to your and even sends a gift along you know trying to pacify the guy and make him feel happy oh and let make him feel that he was in favor with the king but Uriah didn't go home he slept that night at the at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard when David heard that Uriah had not gone home he summoned him and asked what's the matter why didn't you go home last night after being away for so long 
So you see, you see the commitment of this guy. Verse 11 says, Uriah replied, The ark and the armies of Israel and Judah are living in tents, and Joab and my master's men are camping in the open field. So like I said, this guy was the band of 30. He was, he was powerful, you know, and of course, a special warrior. He says, they are camping in the open fields. How could I go home to wine and dine and sleep with my wife? I swear that I would never do such a thing. So <laughs> I'm sure David would have just been, wow, what's wrong with this guy? You know, but verse 12, David will continue, you know, his deception. Well, stay here today, David told him, and tomorrow you may return to the army. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. Then David invited him to dinner and got him drunk. But even, but even, even then, he couldn't get Uriah to go home to his wife. Again, he slept at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. So I'm, I'm sure David would just like, this guy's... This guy's dedication is now my wahalao. The dedication that would have, you know, been so useful to David in the army is now the problem. You know, it's now what David is seeing as a problem. Verse 14. So the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and gave it to Uriah to deliver. So you see how cruel David is, right? You know, David literally sends a man's death wish in his own hands uh, because he wants to take the person's wife. So the, it says, it, and gave it to Uriah to deliver. Could have given the letter to any other person. But Uriah actually delivers his own death, death sentence. The letter instructed Joab, station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fiercest. Then pull back so that he will be killed. So if you were Joab and you received this, what would you have been thinking? Okay, I'm sure Joab must have been thinking, did he guy, did he... You know, did he do something against the king? I'm not sure whether Uriah, maybe he thought about Uriah's wife. I, mean, I doubt if that would have been. But Joab knew that something was wrong. And Joab was in Joab's own mind. He's the commander of the army, okay? And he would do anything, I'm telling you, to protect David. So Joab assigned Uriah to a, to a spot close to the city wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men were fighting. And when the enemy soldiers came out of the city to fight, Uriah the Hittite was killed along with several other Israelite soldiers. Then Joab sent a battle report to David. He told his messenger, report all the news of the battle to the king. But he might get angry and ask, why did the troops go so close to the city? Didn't they know uh, there would be shooting from the walls? Wasn't Abimelech, son of Gideon, killed at the at Tebes uh, by a woman who threw a milestone down on, on him from the wall. Why would you get so close to the wall? Then tell him Uriah the Utite, Utite, Uriah the Hittite was killed too. In other words, Joab was in on, the, on this. He knew, he knew that David wanted Uriah dead. Okay, so he knew that as soon as David hears that Uriah was dead, Whatever anger David was feeling would be gone. So the messenger went to Jerusalem and gave a complete report to David. The enemy came out against us in the open field, he said. And as we chased them back to the city gates, the archers on the wall shot arrows at us. Some of the king's men were killed, including Uriah the Hittite. And I'm telling you, if I was Uriah, I would have been thinking, my commander Joab, this is wrong military strategy. Why are we getting close? 
of course, is a soldier obeyed the last command and he obeys the last command to his death. Uh, verse 25 says, well, tell Joab, David speaking now, tell Joab not to be discouraged. David said, the sword divorced one today and that one tomorrow. Fight other next time and conquer the city. How cruel. Okay? How heartless David is here. You know, I don't know whether he was quoting scripture, but big lessons, I'm telling you. You know, he's literally quoting scriptures, you know, to cover up, you know, his track. Hmm. But I'm telling you, our God is not a fool, and God is not a man. What men don't see, God can see. He says, when Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned, she mourned for him. Yes, because she loved her husband. Like I said, he, was, he might not have been a king, but he was a powerful warrior. Since when the period of her mourning was over, David sent for her and brought her to the palace, and she became one of his wives. One of his wives. Then she gave birth to a son, but the Lord was displeased with what David had done. All right, we stop. We stop here today. Wow. I don't know about you, big lessons, big lessons, big lessons to draw, okay? First of all, you know, um, from, from chapter chapters 10, you know, uh, Anon, yes, lessons to learn from Anon. You know, uh, you want to be careful, uh, those you surround yourself with, right, to give you advice. Some of us, you know, just, we just have people that would always give us the wrong advice. And I'm telling you, if you have people like that, you need to run away, yes. Uh, the Bible says, in the midst of counselors, in the midst of counsel, there is safety. When you surround yourself with the right counsel, you will see that you will find safe, safety. If you see that there's someone who constantly gives you the wrong advice, I'm telling you, you should move away from them and get advice from someone else. Maybe the best advice you will get, I'm telling you, is written right here in the Word of God right okay so big lessons big lessons to take from there and the second lesson i want to take before we pray will be from david okay so um having committed the sins that he had committed uh what would you have done what would you have advised david to do eventually david would do the right thing in confessing his sin but not until okay <laughs> god will deal with dish out his punishment and i'm telling you his punishment was not small at all it was un, un, unbearable and unbelievable okay god will tell him okay you did yours in secret oh i'm punishing you in the open i will i will open you know your shame to the whole of israel and i'm telling you it will, it's going to happen so big lessons from the life of david okay a uh, child of god remember that you are a king you are a king sin should not be found in you sin will never be your friend okay as much as god will help you so yes we will probably be um, plagued with weaknesses all the days of our lives until we arrive in the grave but as far as god will help you, you we can always draw help from, from god so whenever you find yourself in a challenge like this uh, maybe the right thing is to do is to pray uh, maybe the right thing David could have done would have been to, you know, to call a counsel instead of calling someone to go and help to to go and get, you know, Bathsheba. 
What about calling someone and saying, look, this is what I am struggling with. Can you help me? I can learn from the life of David. Can we just begin to pray today as we go? I don't know about you, but I've learned something today. Okay, so Lord, uh, help me to surround myself with the right counsel. Help me to surround myself with the right counselors. Will you pray for yourself today? I don't know, maybe you will find that you are constantly making the wrong decisions, the wrong decisions every time. I want you to pray, Lord, help me to surround myself with the right, with the right uh, counselors. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, this morning, help me to surround myself with the right counselors. Lord, the Bible says that, you know, the same set of people, they usually go together. Okay? Lord, the Bible says that evil communication corrupts good manners. So, Father, help me to surround myself with those who will who will be a, a building block for me, for those who will give me the right advice in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I also pray, Lord, today that, Lord, you will help me overcome the kind of mistakes that David make here. Lord, help me to stay true to your word. Help me to say true to your word in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I am praying for someone struggling with the temptations, someone struggling to commit sin. And I pray for you today. The Lord will help you overcome in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that the light of God will shine forth in your heart and destroy every hold of the devil in the name of Jesus. Lord, as your people go today, I declare blessings in their life. In the name of Jesus, let somebody experience unusual favor. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day.